There's a lot to be said for dying in the midst of something you love. But, fond as Uncle Max was of his poodles, I doubt that he'd ever envisioned himself being found dead on the cold, hard, kennel floor, his curled fingers grasping at the open door of an empty pen. For their part, the poodles didn't seem to think much of the idea either. All seven of the big black dogs were scratching at their doors and whining when Aunt Peg came out the next morning looking for Max, who was inexplicably missing from her bed when she woke up. The moment she saw him, she knew what had happened. The Turnbull men weren't known for their strong hearts. The doctor had warned Max more than once to slow down. But in the end, all the things they'd done together, giving up smoking, taking up walking, watching their cholesterol, hadn't made the slightest bit of difference. Not one to panic when composure served better, Aunt Peg had closed her husband's eyes, then covered him with a blanket before picking up the phone and calling for an ambulance. I learned all this from my brother, Frank, whose name she'd supplied when asked by the police if there was someone they could call. One look at Aunt Peg and they must have realized that the sedatives the paramedics had so thoughtfully left behind were going to go to waste. That's when they started making comforting noises about next of kin. We've never been the type of family to advertise our emotions. Aunt Peg would no sooner keen and wail than join the chorus line of the Rockettes. Nevertheless, Frank had arrived prepared to offer whatever support was needed. That none was soon became apparent when Aunt Peg declared that his hovering was making her nervous and sent him home. Now, three days later, Frank was kneeling beside me in the front pew of St. Mary's Church in Greenwich. He looked every bit as uncomfortable as I felt when the rest of the funeral party trooped up to the altar to receive communion. It was painfully obvious that we were the only two to remain behind. Thanks to my Aunt Rose, Max's sister and a member of the Order of the Sisters of Divine Mercy, the church was full. As the priest began dispensing hosts from the golden chalice, I pushed aside the missiles that littered the pew, sat back, and resigned myself to a long wait. Two by two, the sisters glided by, their rubber-soled shoes noiseless on the church floor. Many, I noted absently, were of the old school, which meant that they still wore the dark habits and crisp white wimples I remembered so vividly from my youth. The soft rustle of cloth, the muted clacking of polished rosary beads that swung from the sisters' waists, both were sounds from the past. For a moment, I found myself transported back to the narrow halls of the convent school where I'd been raised. It wasn't a trip I enjoyed. Some Catholics refer to their faith as something that has lapsed, I tend to think of mine as expired. Until that afternoon, it had been years since I'd been inside a church. Five years, to be exact, since an icy patch of road had sent my parents' car careening down a steep embankment and into a river, leaving me newly married and newly pregnant, also newly orphaned. Bob, my husband then, ex now, maintained at the time that anyone who had reached the age of 25 was simply too old to qualify for orphan status. I know what I feel, I wanted to shout at him. In later years, I wouldn't have been so reticent. Later, we shouted about a lot of things. Still, I had Bob to thank for my son, and in my mind, that more than evened the score. Davy was home now with a sitter, no doubt spurning the glorious Mayweather to watch Oprah Winfrey on TV. There'd be plenty of time later for him to learn about funerals, and about people who die long before you're ready to say goodbye. A throat cleared scratchily, and I looked up to find Aunt Peg standing above me. One of the first to go to the altar, she was now ready to return to the pew. Quickly, I stood up to let her by. Behind her came Aunt Rose, Sister Anne-Marie to the other nuns. 
Her head was bowed, her eyes half-closed. Her fingers were braced together at the tips, forming a slim arrow that pointed upward toward the heavens. In contrast to Aunt Peg's grim-lipped frown, her expression had a soft, unmolded quality. She was talking to her god, I realized. Uncomfortable, I looked away.